Sin acknowledges and pays respect to the owners of the land on which the Sin HQ and studios stand, the Wawandri people of the Kulin Nation. Sin also acknowledges and pays respect to the elders and traditional owners of the lands our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country. Coming of age, celebrating 20 years of music and culture, right here on Sin. You're listening to Minds in Tune here on Sin Radio. And there's some music that's trying to cut us off. I don't think so. Absolutely not. This is Sin. We're rerun the show. Thank you very much. I'm Lachlan Patrick, your host here with Ashlyn Ashikin. That's going to confuse us all. And we've got a <laughs> musical guest here. Tom, how are you doing? Fantastic. How are you? Yeah, look, could be doing better, but we're going to get through. We're going to get through. So Minds in Tune is a show. We are very much attuned to the latest news of health and of culture. Are we feeling healthy, Keem? Yeah. yeah. Oh, incredible. Not really. I'm going to be really. honest. I've got some gut health right now. <laughs> it's really I'm not giving. I had to be honest. Wow. I mean, Ashkin, you you had a pretty early wake up with me this morning, Ooh. didn't you, for, didn't for breakfast? breakfast? until... I don't know, actually. I think we had breakfast at, like, 11. That's yeah, bad, it, it, honestly, honest. it was closer. It, it was lunch. It was oh. lunch at that point. So that's, that's true. not ideal. Mm-hmm. Today on Minds in Tune, we've got lots in store for you, including, 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 don't stop the music. We're talking about the music industry's COVID comeback. Wake up call. We're looking into accessibility of narcolepsy medications and so much more. We've got an interview with a psychologist, Dr. Peter Hayton. He's talking to us about burnout, how to tackle the tips. And of course, Tom is here because you've got a new song that's just come out. So we'll have a chat about that a little later. Let's get back into some music and then we'll really get into the show. Stay with us here at Sin. How are you all doing so far? Fantastic. Um, Fantabulous. Yeah. Vibing, <laughs> vibing with the music. Okay, yes. well, look, Minds in Tune, we're all attuned to the big stories in health and culture, so let's get into those stories now. Earlier this morning, Ashikan, you were there. You were witness to yes, history. We had the first mm-hmm. news bulletin at Sin in four years. That is quite astronomical. Um, it is. So, yes. It is. Um, Are you ready to follow it up? Am I ready to follow it up? Well, <laughs> yes. I'm going to say yes because I believe in myself. But I think, you know, the news in... We were talking a bit about, you know, a bit about the news in 2019 in the morning because obviously coming of age, we're doing a bit of a rerun, rerun, rewind back to 2019. That's what, you know, this show was about this morning. Talked a bit about the pop culture, like, happening in 2019. It wasn't really part of the news bulletin, but it was part of the news <laughs> part of the show. It was, it yes. was. I think let's try and go for some more current stories oh, today. Oh, current Current. Current. Well, we were talking up to the minute. Up so the minute, yes. let's get into our bulletin right now. Here we go. Let's see if it works again. This is your news hit for Tuesday evening. I'm Lachlan Patrick from Minds in Tune. Treatment for people with narcolepsy could become more accessible after a U.S. court settlement came into force this year. The agreement between Jazz Pharmaceuticals and competing firm Hikma has enabled a generic version of popular medication Zyrem to be marketed for the first time. Sleep Health Foundation CEO Moira Junger has welcomed the news. I mean, usually an approved generic drug means the cost drops. So this is obviously very promising for the Australian landscape. Zyrem isn't subsidised by the Pharmaceutical Benefits Scheme and must be imported by patients at a cost of $1,500 per month. 
State Housing Minister Colin Brooks has announced a $50 million investment in housing projects to tackle youth homelessness in Victoria. Melbourne and regional communities, including Wangaratta, will see 130 homes built as part of the investment. The homes will support young people leaving out-of-home care through integration with mental health, education and employment services. Out-of-home care advocate Ruby Sate welcomes the news. I'm a young person from Wangaratta who's experienced out-of-home care and youth homelessness. I began advocating for young people in similar situations because everyone should have a safe place to live. And I'm so excited to hear the Victorian government is investing to make sure that's possible. People aged 15 to 24 make up over 16% of Victoria's homeless population. A new mental health body chaired by Federal Health Minister Greg Hunt has met for the first time yesterday. The Turner Institute for Brain and Mental Health Advisory Council informs major research and community outreach priorities. Director Professor Kim Cornish says the council will enable the institute to better serve young people. Being able to, for example, develop clinics and places that adolescents and youth can look at ADHD symptoms. So the declarative programs at the Turner is very much about understanding how we can really help with resources in our youth and in our adults under 12 years of age. In addition to those ADHD clinics, the Institute is also currently running a living lab study tracking the mental health of thousands of people in Melbourne's southeast. The federal government has announced a national cultural policy to revive Australia's arts industry following COVID impacts. The landmark policy includes $1 million in funding for music industry crisis relief, mental health and First Nations support programs. Busker Samantha Lloyd says the investment is a welcome change after a lack of support during the worst of the pandemic. Because a lot of musicians offered their time for free to help out with charities and services, I feel like that's still expected and obviously we've got bills to pay as well. The plan will be implemented over the course of five years. Now let's check who's charting. The Kid Leroy's Love Again has risen to number one in Ari's local music chart after debuting at number two last week. The Indigenous artist song portrays a very dynamic relationship. Flume and Dean Lewis follow in the second and third spots. For more updates, follow Sin Media on the socials or visit sin.org.au. There we go. Bit of news to start the show. Welcome back to Minds in Tune. Now, we just heard a bulletin of a, a lot of stories there, including one that you were working on, Ashlyn, with uh, the busker, Samantha, who um, we've got some music to look forward to from her later in the show. But tell us a little bit more about this this new big policy supporting musicians. Yeah, sure. So um, the National Cultural Policy was announced on the 30th of January. It's a five-year policy called Revive, which plans to revive the arts, entertainment and cultural sector in Australia. Um, it's got quite a few different interconnected pillars, um, like focusing on First Nations First, uh, a place for every story, which is reflecting all the stories and the contribution of all Australians as the creators of the culture, um, centrality of the artists and strong cultural institutions, as well as engaging the audience. Yeah. So I guess, Tom, is that something that you feel like would be, I guess, kind of a good idea maybe to support local musos a bit more? Yeah, I think any way that we can support independent artists is always um, incredible. And I think especially after the COVID-19 pandemic and two years of being in isolation, I think a lot of artists are really desperate and eager and really keen to get out there and perform uh, and, yeah, just connect with fans face to face. What was COVID like for you? 
Um, I was in year 10, so it was like, I feel like it was... A lot of online learning then. A lot of online learning. And we had about like eight people in our house just all using the one Wi-Fi. So it was like very, very hectic. Um, but I think I'm very grateful for the experience. And I think it's important in those times to be aware of the experiences that other people are going through. But yeah. Absolutely. Now, we had some, some other stories in that bulletin, including one about this, this new mental health Institute wanting to better kind of serve young people and I guess their health needs. So, Ashigan, you said you weren't you weren't doing too well earlier. How could you be better served by by I guess these these mental health clinics that are being opened up? Is there anything that you, as a young person, you're like, I wish that this was a service? Yeah, hmm, that's a good question. I think that like in general, there should be like you know, extra spaces for young people to feel like that they're able to go to for, like, consultations, go there for a space to, you know, get support in general. Um, I think that for the arts especially, it's a very difficult industry to kind of, I guess navigate and so I think there should be also like connecting to a bit of about the music industry there should be a bit of you know also I think part of the grant as well is actually a mental health sort of support um, and I think that's also like really important especially you know post-covid um, and yeah I think as well since there's no sort of security as well in the arts at the moment it just it seems as though it's really important to yeah get kids and you know the youth into the arts and yeah absolutely now Coming up, we've still got that wake-up call, our special report into narcolepsy medication, plus Ashlyn, your report a little later on, and some interviews. So stay with us here on Minds in Tune back for the first time since 2019. And if you're just tuning in now and you're thinking, well, it's not 2019, that's because we're back for Sin's coming-of-age celebrations. The station has spent 20 years on the airwaves and we're making it feel even longer with our show. No, we're not. It's dynamic. It's fast-paced. It's good. Coming up, we have a report on narcolepsy treatments because there's been a little bit of controversy in this space with a lawsuit, with a, a drug between medication manufacturers and Oliver Wynn has this special report to unpack it all for us. Misdiagnosis, countless consultants and up to a decade in the dark. That's the reality for many Australians seeking a narcolepsy diagnosis. But that's only half the battle, as accessing treatment can be a waking nightmare. Consultant Jack Tomlins is no stranger to managing the symptoms. I've been able to manage it with carefully controlled low doses and that's made the difference between living a full life and just surviving. First line treatments for narcolepsy include stimulants and wakefulness promoters, treating symptoms but not addressing poor sleep quality. But that's not the case with Xyrum, a medication produced by Jazz Pharmaceuticals and used by patients like Tomlins. The problem? It's $1,500 for a month's supply, earning Jazz Pharmaceuticals over a billion dollars in 2021. Xyrum is a life-changing medication for narcolepsy, but almost no one in Australia can afford it. A generic version available here would have a huge impact on narcolepsy sufferers. Competing firm Hikma took the first step towards this in 2010 when it sought regulator approval to sell a generic alternative. Jazz Pharmaceuticals took Hikma to court over patent infringement, but the firm settled the case weeks before a 2017 trial date. 
The settlement granted Hikma the right to market its alternative from this year. News Sleep Health Foundation CEO Maura Junger has welcomed. Well, I'm hoping that the recent announcement that Hikma Pharmaceuticals has launched an authorised generic of Xyrem in the US is perhaps good news for us here in Australia, I'd imagine. But while treatment may be more accessible overseas, that's not necessarily the case locally. Xyrem isn't registered in Australia, meaning it must be imported and isn't subsidised by the pharmaceutical benefits scheme. But Junger is optimistic people with narcolepsy may still get some benefit from more competition in this space. I mean, usually an approved generic drug means the cost drops. So this is obviously very promising for the Australian landscape. Though Azirum generic is a step closer to better accessibility, narcoleptics still struggle to access affordable, effective treatment. Oliver Wynn, Sin News. Melbourne. Ollie Wynn there with that story about some drama in the narcolepsy treatment space. He joins me in the studio now. Ollie, how are you doing? I'm not doing too bad, Lachlan. How are you? I'm doing all right. So you spoke to um, several people there for that story, including the CEO of the Sleep Health Foundation. So what did she have to say? So uh, Maura Junger, she had some comments about the benefits that a generic version of Xyrem could bring if it were to be introduced into Australia. Uh... These benefits would be uh, more market competition over the, the drug and as a result uh, it would mean prices would go down and make the drug much more available here in Australia as at the moment it's uh, quite hard to get. Yeah, because right now we're in a kind of, I guess, a situation where there's only really one manufacturer of this drug. Is that yeah. right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's uh, Jazz Pharmaceuticals. Um, they, uh, they've painted the drug and... I think the patent is set to end in 2024. However, they're seeking approval from TJ to get that patent uh, reinstated. Um, for narcoleptics, if that happens, um, it won't be a good thing because prices will stay high and accessibility will be at an all-time low. And this, I mean, it, it is it is a treatment that can work for people when it is accessible, like for Jack, who you spoke to as well. Yes, yeah. So um, Jack Tomlin... She uh, she had a way of managing her finances so that she could um, continue using the medication. And um, when when people have access to it and when people can use it, it's life changing. It's the um, it's the only drug out there that addresses the direct problem of narcolepsy, which isn't the staying awake in the day, but it's actually getting a better rest at night. Now, that's something that's going to be quite interesting to, I think, a lot of people who maybe don't really know a lot about narcolepsy, right? There's those stereotypes out there, the, the jokes that you get. Now, Ollie, you actually, you have narcolepsy yourself. Yes, so, I, I guess do. for our listeners there who might not be quite tuned into what narcolepsy is like, can you explain, I guess, what is it like for you? So, narcolepsy, narcolepsy is, uh, it's characterized by excessive daytime sleepiness um, and uh, sleep attacks, uh, low levels of concentration, um, it is uh, quite a struggle to live with, and you know it's um, it's a it can really impact your quality of life. Um, and the problem is is that the lack of awareness surrounding narcolepsy as a whole results in misdiagnosis. I was diagnosed with depression when I was younger because that's what the doctor thought, um, and uh, it's very hard to get accurate information around so the uh, the awareness surrounding narcolepsy is something that's always been a 
big problem within, uh, I guess, the, the world of narcolepsy in general. And that can have impacts, I guess, socially as well. For sure, for sure. Socially, it's always been a struggle. You know, in, in high school, I would, uh, I'd fall asleep during class and, you know, people would play jokes and make fun of me. Um, I had teachers accuse me of being high in class. That was a, quite an ordeal. <laughs> um, and, yeah, just, just trying to keep up with social life in general. You know, like, there's an expectation of having to feel like you're currently, you know, up to date with whatever's happening. And that can be quite hard when you don't have the energy to do that. Mm, so really, I guess this conversation comes back to access, right? Being able yeah. to access the treatments or being able to access that awareness and that understanding. What would you like to see, I guess, change about the situation? So the first thing that would need to happen is for the federal government to increase funding towards research surrounding narcolepsy. Whilst, uh, whilst Zyrem as a medication is great and it's the really the only medication out there that can properly treat narcolepsy, no treatment is 100% and the most ideal situation would be for there to be a cure to narcolepsy. And however, the government uh, hasn't really acknowledged sleep health in general. Um, this doesn't only pertain to narcolepsy, but other conditions such as idiopathic hypersomnia, you know, these are conditions that no one's ever heard of before, but they affect a pretty small subgroup of people. And these are the people who are struggling with their daily lives every single day. Mm. Okay, well, thank you for your time, Ollie. Thanks for coming in today and producing that report for us. If you'd like to take another listen, you can find it at sin.org.au. Now, still to come on tonight's show, Don't Stop the Music, meeting the bands and groups working to make some safer spaces for your nights out in Melbourne. And Tom Nezasol joins us in studio a little later to chat his debut single, Build-A-Bear. Stay tuned in to Minds in Tune. Coming up now, let's let's change pace a bit because we've been a bit frenetic today with all of our different news stories, especially that one just now from Oliver about jazz pharmaceuticals. But we want to slow down because burnout is a condition and it is very much on the rise, even impacting world leaders like Jacinda Ardern, who resigned quite shockingly, a couple of weeks ago because she had nothing left in the tank. So with this condition being so prevalent, I spoke to psychologist Dr. Peter Hayton to find out why burnout is on the rise and what we can do to protect ourselves. There are certainly some of the statistics that we are looking at. With people that call up for treatment, we've noticed a real increase in that stress presentation, anxiety, particularly amongst young people. And when we compare people calling in for treatment from 21 to 22, there's a huge increase. And I mean, even even world leaders aren't safe because um, as we know, Jacinda Ardern, she said she had nothing left in the tank. It's been, it's been hitting her. So do you feel like, what, what's driving that increase? Well, I think that uh, probably Jacinda highlighted some of the issues that uh, we struggle with. You know, she kind of said that uh, she believed in the work and the achievements of the past, but she didn't think she could keep it going. She said that um, she tried to take some time off over the summer, but that hadn't refreshed her. And I think that what we're noticing is the COVID season, all those years of 
deprivation have really affected us. And what we know as humans is when we're victorious, but fine, emotion lingers after the stress. It's, it's really, it's being driven by that COVID, the pandemic impacts. But do you think also there's a bit of a struggle of that transition back into, I guess, this new normal um, with work starting back, university starting back in person? Um, that might also be contributing to it? I think so. And certainly we know that there are certain times of the year when we're going to be more stressed. And mm. so when we're starting our school year, when we're getting back into it, or starting university for the first time, those kind of things are really stressful and difficult for us. And if we haven't got reserves in the tank, like Jacinda said, then how are we going to cope with that? We can't really believe in ourselves and our capacity to do what we need to do for the semester ahead or the term ahead. And we start to get a bit freaked out by that. And that's where the anxiety increases. And it's really hard during those times. There are definitely right stressful, stressful times that we all kind of go through. But are there any people in particular, I guess, who aren't world leaders who you think might be a bit more predisposed to, to experiencing burnout like this? Well, when we're studying and we're students, or if we're you know, juggling work and study and those kind of things, we always don't get to pick when we can have a break. And if we've had a difficult time over the summer, like the sister said she had, means that we might not be prepared for the semester. And it can be difficult to deal with that and to cope with that stress and aggravation when we haven't had that time out, we haven't had that holiday, we haven't had that opportunity to recharge success. But of course, there are things that we can do in the everyday that really help us and support us in managing that stress, uh, kind of helping us with emotional regulation and helping us to close the cycle on those more intense stressful events. What are some actionable steps that maybe young people could take to, to manage burnout if they feel like they can't, um, I guess, they don't have enough left in the tank, they haven't been able to you know, choose to take a break? Yeah, look, some of the really important things are things like our diet and staying hydrated, getting enough sleep, spending time with those social connections that are really valuable for, you know, if we've got a supportive family or we've got a loved one, a great good of study mate, you know, those kind of interpersonal connections are really, really helpful for. Of course, uh, exercising, particularly uh, when it comes to releasing stress, is so helpful. You know, when people are trying to navigate this this burnout time, I guess Jacinda Ardern, what helped her is that she was quite open about it. She was speaking out and going, look, this is where I'm at. Is there any advice you have for people on maybe how to start that discussion about burnout in their own lives? Yeah, I guess, you know, we're always saying, you know, see the GP or, you know, get some professional help. And, and that's really important and valuable. But of course, a lot of the time we're feeling so fragile that we don't think we can be vulnerable to that. And um, then what we should probably do is look for someone close to us, someone in front, who we can sit down with and have a chat. That in itself is really helpful. It releases that stress load. Kind of like that problem shared is a problem. Uh, I think there's also really great online resources available to us in this area as well. You know, there's good support lines and, and networks that we can get, get into. And I think a lot of the time I'm saying to people and patients, you know, you don't want to be Googling symptoms because Dr. Google's probably not the best way to kind of diagnose something. But when I know what's going on, when no stress, there's anxiety there, I can kind of get online and reach out and get some support. And I will, I'll be presented with some really great options. We've talked about burnout. We've talked about, I guess, a range of not cures, but strategies to manage burnout. Would you have any advice to people on maybe how to prevent 
burn out in the first place, how to stay stay within their limits in the first place? Yeah, look, I think setting boundaries is so important when uh, we're going through any stage of life to have those healthy boundaries to know which people are toxic for us and who we need to avoid, you know, to be able to prioritise things like, you know, if I've got a busy time or like an assessment due, I've got to prioritise that. But I think what I've got to do is also kind of get a bit smarter and understand uh, what it means to be suffering from stress and burnout. You know, looking out for, you know, three common things, emotional tiredness, that reduced empathy and caring, that's a big component, and that decreased sense of accomplishment where what I'm doing doesn't matter anymore, it doesn't make it anymore. And when we're trying to achieve something like the Kentua studies, that last one, that's really debilitating. Because I kind of need that belief in my capacity and myself to be able to attend to study or turn up to work and do those kind of things. And so I've got to watch out for that and try and push myself a little bit to keep going. Some great advice there, Peter. Thank you for your time today. We've talked about, if you're just tuning in, burnout, how to tackle the tendrils of burnout when they feel like they're closing in around you, if you feel like there's nothing left in the tank like Jacinda Ardern, or maybe there's some warning signs to look out for. Thanks for your time, Peter. Any more advice before you go today? Oh, I think, um, you know, the most important thing is if we are suffering, just to reach out and get support. Uh, it's been great uh, just sharing a little bit. Thank you for your time, everybody. That is some great advice from Dr. Peter Hayton there. Now, coming up, don't stop the music. The local music industry in Melbourne has been rebounding after COVID restrictions, but what will the industry and local gigs look like? There's a number of ideas among the local musicians we spoke to. Ashlyn O'Brien reports. Once known as the world's live music capital, Melbourne's local music scene ground to a halt as the COVID pandemic set in and music rooms closed their doors. The challenges it still faces are all too familiar to full-time musician Samantha Lloyd, who came to Australia from the UK six weeks ago to busk in Melbourne. Because a lot of musicians offered their time for free to help out with charities and services, I feel like that's still expected and obviously we've got bills to pay as well. During the worst of the pandemic, performers relied on industry charities to get by in absence of government support. Now local acts are returning to live gigs after several false starts, which is a challenge of its own for gut health guitarist Don Wilmot. After COVID, you really haven't used your social muscles. Mm. And, and like there's something quite intimidating about a whole lot of the factors that go into seeing a gig. While the Melbourne rocker is keen to get back amongst it, crowded spaces and wild crowds mean gigs on everyone's idea of a night out. Theatre producer Cole McKenna heads along as more of an industry observer, but appreciates a growing trend of access for all. There is already so many accessible events already, and it's like if those aren't being acted upon, um, I don't know if there is a need for like more things to become like accessible in terms of live music events. COVID lockdown saw performances go online, allowing everyone to attend regardless of ability or finances. That's something McKenna thinks in-person events could improve on. I think for like larger scale events, um, like they like aren't accessible like in terms of like financially necessarily. Lowering this barrier is important to gut health, who provide free tickets to their gigs for women and First Nations people. The band intend to make their crowd safer, positive spaces, with Wilma also advocating for representation on stage. There's just so many good female and non-binary musicians 
that it's sort of silly not to. So regardless of who you are or what you listen to, it looks like Melbourne's music scene won't be stopping anytime soon. Ashlyn O'Brien, Sin News, Melbourne. So a great report there from Ashlyn all about COVID and I guess how the music industry is recovering and has been supported by the government. Now, Ashlyn, tell us about kind of that there's a bit of criticism there, right, about kind of a lack of government support at first during the pandemic. Yeah, for sure. I think during the worst of the pandemic, a lot of local performers had to rely on music industry charities, which pulled through um, such a support act to get by in absence of this government support. And I think as the industry is re-emerging now, um, the priori- priorities are changing from the federal government. So they've recently promised $1 million a year to Industry Group Support Act, which will go towards their programs that support their crisis relief, mental health and wellbeing and First Nations programs. Mm. Okay, so what 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 does this? I guess it's it's a it's a much broader kind of policy than that. Um, this national cultural policy. It's not just funding support acts. What else does this policy entail? Um, so I kind of delved a little bit into that earlier, but I can go more into yeah the five year policy called Revive. Um, so they've got kind of five pillars that they're focusing on. So we've got First Nations First, which is re- recognizing and respecting um, the crucial part place of First Nations stories at the centre of Australia's arts and cultures. Um, We've got a place for every story, which reflects all the stories and contribution of the Australians as creators um, in our culture. Um, Yeah. And then just kind of supporting the artist as a worker and celebrating artists, as well as sustaining the arts, culture and heritage. Now, this policy was really launched with uh, this landmark report, right, Revive, a big statement from the government, and included a number of case studies of different organisations helping the music sector as well. And there was one called The Push. Yes. Yeah. So The Push is an Australian youth music organisation and registered charity um, based in Melbourne. So they've been around for three decades, supporting more than four million young people with access to contemporary music programs and events. Um, Through their programs, they've actually helped musicians such as Courtney Barnett, um, Alex Leahy, Andy McMahon, quite a few well-known artists now. Um, Yeah, so their main principles are just making access to live music events a reality for young Australians. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely some very interesting initiatives there. Now, last question to kind of wrap up the chat here. You also got to speak as part of that report to Dom Wilmot from Gut Health. That was yesterday yeah. morning. Yeah. How was that chat? That was great. Yeah, Dom was great. We spoke for about 25 minutes, so it was long It was chat. expansive, <laughs> and that oh, full interview is going to be on the hoist next week when it returns, so you'll get to hear even more of Ashlyn and Dom. But yeah, yeah what, 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 what was that conversation? I guess, um, what did you cover? Yeah, so we kind of, we went into a few kind of things, obviously accessibility and a few things that were included in the segment. Um, but we also talked about, you know, Gut Health's another album coming up later in the year and obviously um, their upcoming performance for Sin's 20th anniversary at Chapel of Chapel, which will be, yeah, an all-ages alcohol, smoke and drug-free day party, um, which will be, yeah, kind of, incorporating all the things we've been talking about with accessibility and making these events a safe space for everyone, no matter age or ability, finances, etc. Yeah. I guess actually, before we go to the next one, I do have one more question. Any gigs you're looking forward to, to getting to? Um, 
Yeah, probably Tom Nevisol's <laughs> this Friday night. <laughs> Absolutely. And we'll be chatting to Tom in just a moment. Tom, you've been waiting very, very patiently, I must say, for the last <laughs> hour. You kind of came and we had a chat at the beginning of the show. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, we'll talk to you in an hour. So thank you for waiting. What That's are you right. here to tell us about? Um, I'm here because I was, uh, yeah, asked to talk about my new song, my debut single, Build a Bear. Debut yeah. single. Let's take a quick listen. A little bit uh, kind of lullaby inspired there, that chorus. Yeah, 100%. I feel like it's a bit inspired by like the nostalgic vibes of Build-A-Bears. Do you, do you know what Build-A-Bears are? Am I like... I've, I've seen them. Yeah. They're kind of like you, 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 like, you make them. You build a bear. You build a bear, yeah. <laughs> it's very it, it, is, it is in the name. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I came up with the idea because like... I remember, like, they were, like, the epitome of, like, stuffed animals and toys as a kid. And I remember they were so special because there was only one store and it was about two hours away here in Melbourne. And it was so special because, you know, you'd walk into the store and, you know, there was millions of, like, animals to choose from. You know, you could have a panda or a monkey or a polar bear and, you know... You'd pick this animal and you'd watch it get stuffed and you'd pick a name for it and you'd just, like, watch this whole process. And I just remember that just being so, like, influential and creative. Um, but I completely forgot about it until about a year ago when I wasn't feeling the best about my body. Um, but when I started to think about, you know, my parents and imagining that my parents had made me in that same way and, you know, had put in the extra stuffing or, you know, had made me in this really specific um, way and made me the way that I am for a reason, it, yeah, just kind of changed my perspective and made me start to appreciate the nuances of my body. Yeah, so was that kind of the idea behind this song, maybe enabling other people to also kind of appreciate that? that? Yeah, I think just coming into a place where you're comfortable within your own body. Um, but also it's kind of a dedication to my mum who passed away when I was eight years old. Um, and yeah, just kind of kind of a very nostalgic feel. And I think that's represented within the sonics of the song. Yeah. So I guess what would you like the people who are listening to this song? I think you've had a thousand listeners so far. Something like that. Yeah. Within the first week, we had about a thousand streams, which was like just incredible for the debut single. Yeah. For a, for yeah. a debut, because before this, it's just been SoundCloud, hasn't it? Yeah. I've just um, released demos and like I've just been performing these songs that I've had in my catalogue for a while now, you know, at festivals and at gigs and stuff like that. But yeah, the response has been absolutely incredible. And I feel very, very grateful and blessed for all the people who have been streaming. But I guess, like, what would you like your your many listeners to kind of take away from this song? Um, hopefully take away a banger, take away a bit of a bop. Um, but I think, like, deeper than that, just, like, trying to become, become self-aware and, you know, kind of have a relationship with yourself, whether it's body neutrality or body positivity, I think. Just being aware of the way that you do view your body, and even if it's not your body, the way that you view yourself, you know, your personality and stuff like that, I think coming to a place where you're able to realise your habits and behaviours and start to really, you know, fix them or work on them or just love yourself and be kind with yourself. Mm, definitely a very empowering message. Now, we did hear earlier you've got a gig coming up on Friday. I do. That was a very subtle little plug. <laughs> I appreciated it. Um, but yeah, I'm performing this Friday at Ample Cafe in North Melbourne um, with the BG Group. And yeah, I'm performing uh, Build a Bear. It's the first time that I'm performing it live since its release. So that's very, very special, very, very like historic. But I'm also performing uh, an unreleased song that will be coming out in mid to late March. So that's an exclusive for Sin Media here. Um, wow. Yeah, so I'm performing that. And I'm performing with a live band as well. So 
we're back to live music. As Ash was saying, we've had a break during COVID, but we're back to it and there's nothing as special as live music. So yeah. And this, and this gig on Friday as well um, does take, I think, a very interesting approach to kind of access. Yeah, 100%. It's a very like family friendly, friendly kind of thing. I've been to one of the gigs before. It's actually how I met Ashikin, who's the host here at Sin. Um, but yeah, it's such like an intimate, very, very like cute and wholesome and just supportive vibe. The energy in that room was just immaculate and unmatched yeah so if you're looking for wholesome vibes you know where to go on friday Let's thank you it. for listening to minds in tune a tune to the story shaping health and culture we'll see you well not next time because this was one night only but maybe we'll be back later in the year <laughs>